Hey there, my name is Michael Finney. Welcome to Art Cycle. We've got two guys hanging out with us today. Do you guys want to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, y'all. I'm uh, Terrence S. Moreau. Um, I do uh, art and comics and stuff and uh, build things on the side. And uh, yeah, we're to chit chat about things. And my name is Alex Patton, and I'm a designer, developer, uh, musician, a little bit of everything. Yeah, it looks like you were talking about, uh, or actually you posted some music earlier today. Yeah, I've uh, been working on a track for the last month. Um, it's coming along pretty well. Um, hopefully you should have it ready in the next couple weeks, maybe. Nice. Looking forward oh, yeah. to hearing it. So, what I'm interested in hearing about today from people is design. Design thinking or design as art, uh, design in general. So I would assume you guys both have a little bit of experience with that. And feel free yeah, to absolutely. jump in or offer up your thoughts as you like. Alex, I know you're, you're employed um, doing, doing a good bit of this. Um, I know UX, at least, is in uh, some of your Twitter bio. Um, yeah, why don't, why don't you, you, you lead us off here? Yeah, uh, I'm more than happy to get us started. Um, so, yeah, I, I've been working uh, as a designer for probably going almost 15 years now. Um, I got interested in it through music, and uh, today I'm, I'm doing a lot of UI, UX work. Uh, however, um, I have a lot of experience doing logo design, merchandise design, posters, branding. Um, my gateway into design was through, uh, like, basically doing stuff for my bands and my friends' bands. Uh, and so that's really, it's really opened me up to uh, just the world of design in general. Uh, more recently, I'm, I'm getting into 3D and uh, motion design. Um, I've always been fascinated by, you know, interior design and uh, kind of feng shui, that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely, like, I'm a very visual person, but um, I find design to... Uh, it's very kinesthetic as well, isn't it? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It's something that's like, you do it, you feel it, you... Uh, break it down like it's 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 an amazing thing. There's a, there's I think there's a lot more imagination um, and envisioning that, that goes into it. Um, not just in I say envisioning, um, but there's a lot more like uh, how would you say I think um, placing yourself in the experience uh, than people necessarily uh, would give credit for maybe. Yeah, uh, I, I would I would totally agree with that. Um, a lot of what I do, especially as a UI UX person, is um, really trying to put myself in the shoes of another person. And so with that, I might have to, uh, you know, think of, of what, what their life might be like and what their experiences are like and how might that relate to my own experiences and how can I, how can I reach them uh, through design and, and find something that, 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 will, that they'll feel connected with. So when you say reach and connect, um, I, I would imagine this is, I, I guess, where Mike was, was I think anyway, um, talking about where some of the, like, 
the art and the sort of um, more mercenary uh, design of like, okay, I'm making a Kellogg cereal box um, versus like I'm creating a product uh, that will be interacted with more, with more vari- along more variables than just the cereal box. Uh, if that makes sense, there's, there's more to do there. And so I have to do more imaginative work. So uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is uh, to what degree, for what different products do you feel like, oh, goodness, um, I'm really having to stretch um, into this other area uh, to imagine what this might be like. Maybe I got too abstract in the question. 1893, Chicago's Columbian Exposition. Over 125 years ago, the Columbian Exposition was staged in Chicago on Lake Michigan's shoreline. Visitors from around the country and world were first introduced to many industrial technologies and commercial offerings that would shape 20th century culture. This book explores a collection of event photographs and juxtaposes them against a set of modern images to catalog the living remnants in art and architecture around the city as a legacy to the 1893 World's Fair. 1893, Chicago's Columbian Exposition, now available from Amazon. Audiobook version available soon. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think I see where you're going with that. Um, for me, I mean, almost any digital product that I work on has to cater to a specific audience. You know, there's going to be, there's going to be a set of users uh, who generally fall within the same demographics. And uh, in order to provide utility to them, um, we have to understand, like, the context of the environment that uh, that they live in, that they're used to working, uh, what they've been exposed to, and then figure out how to translate that into something that uh, that is engaging and delightful and uh, something that they can uh, enjoy using. Would you say would you say the hardest part of the process is is trying to make it intuitive, or, or at the very least, um, the the learning process of, of how to engage with um, your design, in the in the intuitive part? That oh, I don't have to explain this. The design explains itself, so to speak. I would I would say that's definitely one of the harder parts. Uh, the 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 most challenging thing, in my opinion, though, is. Um, ensuring that you're making the right decision up front. Uh, so, like, if you're not using uh, some type of methodology to, you know, verify that your choices are the right choices, uh, say, before you ship something, then uh, that's going to be a costly mistake. That's an interesting point, too. So to knowledge. fill in some of the gaps there, uh, what where do you go for the research that informs design, right? And then here's the other side of that. Uh, while you deploy, that in and of itself is research regarding design. Uh, I, I mean, I would say in, in my experience, uh, you know, user groups, um, there are very serv- services that you can go to both uh, online as well as uh, uh, people who will find uh, individuals to come do testing in person, um, but either way, there. What in my experience, I've used services that will find people of a specific demographic. Um, we'll give them a scenario and say, "All right, uh, you are, you know, you are this person in this situation. Uh, you have this task. Um, go ahead and, and try performing that task on this prototype that we've put together for you." And uh, 
that that is where I've gathered my research up front, uh, and I try and incorporate that into you know every uh, organization that I work with. Um, you know, help them understand that uh, we we can take advantage of of these services of these um, of these resources that are available to us to help uh, get clarity around our decisions uh, before. They give that to engineers or go and build something that can be very costly that people don't love. Is loving a design or loving an interface always critical? Um, not explicitly loving, I don't think. But is it is it really when we create things with the intent for people to really love or enjoy them? Are we are we hijacking them? A little bit. It, it's definitely, yeah, that's that's something that we can be doing. It, it, I think it depends on how we're doing that and, and the intention of the person yeah. Yeah. Uh, doing it. Yeah, the how, I think, really, really matters here. Um, because, you know, to a large degree, again, you know, not to get too abstract with it, but to a large degree, we're all, you know, hijacking each other's, you know, perceptions constantly. Um, you know, that's, that's what, what advertising and art is kind of about. Um, I think it's about whether or not you you respect your audience, so to speak, your audience's time, your 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 customer, um, in, in a, on a certain level. Um, you know, you respect their time, you respect their intellect, you respect their experience of life, um, and you ideally, um, not just in the presentation of your art and, and getting it to them, but you know, in the in the actual mechanics of of how the the art of the design function. Um, because yes, you're hijacking them. You're using all kinds of weird bits of stimulus, whether um, you know iterated yourself or borrowed from long tradition, um, to produce effect. Um, it's uh, I think Alex is absolutely right that it's it's to do with with the intent, with with what you're not only with what you're trying to do, but then paying very very close attention to where what you're trying to do and what actually happens diverge, um, and then trying to get back to a little bit of okay, did we like Alex was saying, did we in our core understanding our original planning um was there some misunderstanding here was there a, a piece of information that was missed should we have integrated something deeper here um when you're doing exceptionally large projects um re rejiggering you know um uh, you know uh, reorienting completely is very difficult to do exactly as alex says is that that level of planning understanding that you're so you don't have to go back and say oh crap um, we really hijacked things wrong here, and we're getting effects that we really did not plan for. Um, and yeah, when you're just you know an artist or whatever, um, or a, a low-level designer, and no one likes your you know the, the, the poster you did for the band, um, you know the, the the consequences aren't so much. Um, when you're working on a UI or on a building, um, the that planning process and that inheritance of tradition. So that you've got your real base level logic correct. Here's um, is, a is, oh yeah. Here's a question uh, JJ asked in Periscope. He said, "Does my car steering wheel hijack me?" And I would say, yeah, it, absolutely. It, it it does in a sense because it is limiting your ability mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, for freedom of motion. Though absolutely. Though it is amplifying maybe your uh, rate of movement. Yeah, and you choose to interact with it, you know what I mean? So hijacking doesn't necessarily, I mean, we use it because, you know, it's, it's to make the point. Um, 
um, but you know, no one is physically. I mean, we can make the arguments about society forces you into vehicle ownership at a certain scale. But sure, that, and that's a that's a fun discussion to have. But unless someone is physically sitting you down with a gun to your head and forcing you to drive the car, I think it just makes the point that we we engage in these permutations of self, um, you know, consciously or otherwise, constantly, um, and that this is just part of the the interactive process of design and life. Right. Um, you know, we, we no longer live in, in just the purely natural world. We, we live in, in a largely designed space. So he has um, a yeah, follow-up well, question, too. Uh, he says, what is the purest interaction? I'm not sure that, that I mean, I mean, it, I, I, personally, like, I mean, there's a million answers to that question, quite frankly. My, the one that goes, like, leaps Right, you should come on and ask that, I feel like. Well, sure. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of like my, my reaction is kind of snarky, which is like, you know, the purest interaction in, in I think, the, the sentiment that he's getting at is like, you know, the quote unquote original state of nature. Um, but I don't personally see like, Mike, you remember I was like the purity of art is not a real thing. Like, you know, to me, this this level of idealism um, and like golden era, golden age, what have we lost kind of thinking is 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 valuable only to say, okay, well, what are we going to do with that now? Like, how do we return to some kind of um, imagined uh, golden place? Right. I mean, frankly, it's kind of an right? academic to, to be, exercise. Yeah, and, 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 you know, to get right down to it, I think we're engaged in that, like, literally right now. Yeah, yeah tr- tr- truly any interaction is the most natural, pure interaction, in my opinion. Well, well I, I think that that's an entirely uh, sensible and, and defensible position. Uh, certainly, I, I was getting a little bit more at, um, uh, I think, uh, a level of offered vulnerability, uh, if that makes sense, um, where, you know, not to get too meta or whatever, but Mike does a very good job of creating a space where the, the types of conversations, the forms of shared perspectives that, again, need to be respected, um, like I was saying about respect for audience and all of this. Um, I think Mike does a very good job at creating that, you know, sense of, of pure discourse. And again, you know, define pure however you like. Just to me, I think that it's the, the sentiment that I feel in relation to it is, is a level of, okay, shared vulnerability and, and respect for the, the shared space. And when we move from shared space to shared space, um, you know, the rules change a little bit, but we're still, you know, Malian's social creatures, you know what I mean? The, the, the rules don't change all that. Um, you know, the, the language, the symbols, the icons, all of the, the various other things change. Um, and, you know, as travelers between spaces, we try to respect that, you know, when in Rome, you know, and all, and all of those things, um, where it gets funny, odd, weird, etc., um, is when things aren't quite so emergent and, and, you know, you're in a purely designed area. Um, and then, yeah, the... the I think the opportunities there uh, for, for quote-unquote, I, I really don't like this terminology, the quote-unquote more pure, I guess, interaction, um, drop less. I, I'm fascinated in design by where, and again, I, I'm not a practitioner, I'm not employed in this, so I'm allowed to be an asshole amateur um, to a certain degree anyway. Um, I'm interested in, like, how do you allow for emergent behavior um, rather than stringent behavior? Um, like in a purely theoretical sense, I, I'm getting way too abstract now. It's it's you know uh, not too applicable. Um, but like I said, that shared vulnerability, shared space, um, the respect for the rules of a new space um, when you move into it, still with like, hey, we're all people. Come on, uh, kind of thing is really important in that that pure. Community.
thing for emergent behavior is interesting because um, as a UX person, a lot of what I'm focused on right now is uh, preventing emergent behavior. Uh, <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. Um, I'm, I, I'm really trying to ensure that people stick to a happy path. Um, and I want to prevent them from doing too much exploration if I can. Um, but well, I think I just I should probably just poke in really quick here to say that a lot of where my um, fascination for that idea comes from um, comes out of um, indie video games um, and and that like no you're supposed to kind of break the system and play with it like as a purpose when you're doing I totally understand that yeah when you're doing like actual proper UX you you, you want to yeah like you say limit the, the tree structure as much as you can. There, it really depends on on the product though, because there are certain products, right. uh, digital products, where you really want to give the user that freedom. Um, I've not I've not had uh, any projects where I've had to, to do something like that. Um, I certainly want, as there are, um, we'll say, more connected tools uh, that people are using. Um, I I would love to be able to give you know, just the world and interface that works for them, you know, a tool that lets people, uh, lets people use the tools they use the way they want to, if you will. Um, but so then to what, to what degree do you th feel that stuff like, um, uh, just where my mind goes here is like, uh, like adaptive UI, um, or adaptive UX. Um, what do you, what do you kind of feel about that, where we stand and like, what, does that, is that a sensible concept at all? I, I think so, because, um, I mean, everybody, right, we're all individual people, and we all have our individual preferences uh, with our so like does, does the So, like, not to be too much of an asshole, but, like, so does the, does the adaptive UX track my mouse motions, my eye movements? Yeah, probably, past, but I think like, that the adaptive like, design is, is attempting to reduce maybe a, a Pavlovian kind of ecosystem where, like, you're on this track and we're guiding you towards this outcome that we really want you to exhibit. Um, exactly. And, and that's tough, I would say, because, you know, uh, products aren't offered up um, too often purely for experience. Well, isn't that, like, supposedly anyway, um, what the role of art is? I, I would totally agree. That is that is definitely the role of art, or a role that it plays. Right, and that's yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, incompleteness yeah. of art as well. In that, it, you know, it requires the interpretation of of the consumer, whoever that is, or wherever they are, um, to project meaning onto it, and and to extract meaning from it. That maybe the artist. So then, in that case, do you, do you think that that extraction of meaning? Um, occurs uh, within design as well, or specifically UX in this case here? Yeah, I think it can. So, so not, again, I, I'm getting at something specific here, um, kind of an asshole point. Uh, do you think that the, um, the, that response to UX and, and uh, design as more of a product, a thing not to be um, interpreted, uh, like you say, that, that engagement process doesn't have to be there, um, do you think that erodes at all um, our sort of natural tendency to project onto things and therefore understand art? Yeah, or appreciate. Well, I think that it it erodes the uh, the ability to interpret 
a mechanism as art when you are really trying to just get get a response, you know, from a certain set of stimulus that looks a lot more like, um, you know, psychological behavioral experiment than it does necessarily uh, an experience to me. Mm-hmm. I think there is a dividing line somewhere there. So where, where basically where does the Skinner box become expression? Mm, I would say the other way around. Oh, okay. Okay. No, no, that don't be absolutely right. Yeah, that, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just, just so much of this stuff for me is fascinating because it gets right into, um, to me, the same mechanisms that, that produce um, effects in art, not, not necessarily like uh, deeper empathetic ones, but like immediate reactions um, of shape and form um, are the largely the same things that, that operate in UX design, but just applied to uh, a different outcome. Um, to a certain degree, I, I might be stretching a little bit, but to a certain degree, I think that's where a lot of the, like, the criticism of um, like action movies and whatnot comes from, because the, there's, a, there's still a great deal being communicated there. There's still a whole bunch of, quote-unquote, design um, going on. But in the traditional artistic sense of you know, empathy and interpretation, um, the literary, the, the traditionally literary sense of interpretation of art, um, you know, the, the action movies do not hold up. Uh, you know what I mean? But from, like, the design appreciation standpoint, you know, you look at it and you go, that's really friggin' well choreographed, guys. Right. Oh they designed it, an excellent experience that is meant to extract uh, dollars from the audience. Well, sure. Well, sure. I mean, the, there's nothing the, wrong with so that. I'm not that saying case, that there is. I just don't think that it's necessarily um, always going to hold up well as, um, you know, art for art's sake. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and the, so the odd thing for me in all of this, um, is the, people are going to continue to redefine art however they want, in whatever ways, in the, in the multiplicity fractal, you know, the craziness of the world. Right. Um, you should. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. But in, in those, those sort of frothing bubble cultures, um, how, I think it just, for, the interesting thing to me is how we, we cross those barriers and go, um, okay, guys, what are you doing over here that's really cool? Um, like, what, what are you playing with over here? How are you producing effects and meaning? Um, if only to allow me appreciation of similar disciplines, effects, et cetera, when I encounter them, you know, separate from you. Um, you know, can I enrich my appreciation of the world through someone else's depth of understanding of the system? Are you saying every um, single art experience should be followed up with a, a survey? <laughs> I mean, um, you know, um, uh, it would have to be the right kind of survey. Um, you know, like, good God, no, please no. Um, but, you know, some kind of feedback, you know what I mean, is, is I think that, that important thing and the, the appreciation back and forth so that, you know, the, the 21st century blues of like, oh God, we took the, the lessons of art and we just applied them, you know, to, to Pavlov here, um, you know, to, to, to take us down these, these design pathways um, and kids suddenly can't, you know, um, stop playing Call of Duty. Um, nothing wrong with Call of Duty, I, I still play. Um, but like, the, the how, how we get that communication, I'll, I'll get a little, a little personal here for a minute. So I spent my Thanksgiving, um, uh, not with in-laws, uh, but with some friends of the family um, who are, uh, the, the husband is a, uh, a Russian biotech guy. Uh, the, uh, the wife works in the same company, 
is 13 years old now, um, draws nothing but anime all the time, is on TikTok constantly, um, and I've known her since I think she was 10 years old, um, and have slowly tried to, you know, encourage her art and all of this. Um, but the dialogue between the two of us about, and don't get me wrong, it's an age group thing as well, it's a generational thing, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just, you know, using it as an example. Um, the, how you start to get across from the design portion where you're just talking about, okay, here's how you draw a figure. Here's, you know, what the rule of thirds mean. Um, and those hard and fast visual rules into saying, okay, well now use that to say something or use that to communicate something. Um, I think that's where the emergent behavior part comes back into it. Um, because you can't, you cannot force expression. Um, even if very clearly, you know, someone has something they want to say. Um, so, you know, the, that slow, like, you know, I have to, I have to re respect this person's experience as much as possible and, you know, go back and forth between a little bit of like, okay, I have to just, you know, give a little bit of a push here, um, until like, okay, now, now you're going, you're on the bike, you're, you've got momentum, um, and, and, you know, going, going back and forth. But basically the, I have a really difficult time even trying to get her to put her silly teenage dramas, um, on paper, um, without her becoming stymied by them. Um, and, and suddenly, you know, a lot of the, um, the design stuff, um, or the skills stuff, um, gets blocked by the interpretation stuff. Um, and I think, like I said, a lot of that just goes back to the emergent behavior, the, that the safe spaces for creation, well, not that not I'm so big on safe spaces, but, you know, the terminology is fine at a sentimental level. Um, but yeah, you know, basically just, just allowing, so sitting you down after giving you a few pointers and saying, okay, now, now you can draw. Oh, is that the guy that you told me about from class? Oh, yes, it is. Oh, shit, okay. And, you know, she draws amazing little chibi stuff as well. Um, and, yeah, so appreciation for those things, trying to see the, the genuine humanity in how someone else's medium operates, um, even if there's, you know, some friction there. Um, the, and, it, and it gets weird because she will also, you know, claim that, that you know, uh, her TikTok feed is high art, and I can't quite follow that far. Um, you know what I mean? And, That's pretty you know, so, it, so, and again, you know, I, I sat there and watched it for a while. Okay, and, and even oh, oh, literally, literally. Oh, yeah, exactly. I got um, got another question I coming in. So uh, this, is from, this is from Tristan. He's asking, how could design change as these mediums become more concretely expressed in reality and he's saying in regards perhaps to XR, uh, you know, extended reality, like augmented reality, virtual reality. Uh, he's addressing the whole process of design, consumption, etc. Alex, that's you, man. Yeah, uh, uh, I would say, like, we're definitely approaching this uh, this world of, like, user-created digital art through, you know, virtual reality um it's it's definitely like going to be a new medium uh most definitely and i see it being uh, a new way to like a new way of self-expression um you know especially like there will be you know projections and holograms and uh you know our devices overlaying digital content on top of physical content uh you know it's it's definitely going to uh, shift, you know, interfaces, shift art, shift how we interact with the digital world uh, and the physical world as well. So, so then getting back to 
uh, what you said about um, the the initial uh, base level logic or, or understandings uh, of uh, of UI being so important, of any project being so important. Um, what do you see as the the really important base principles or understandings um, that will inform um, you know augmented uh, you know VR, et cetera, et cetera? Well, hold on. Before we get into that, Alex, I want to address something too because we met up and went to a uh, concert festival in Western Pennsylvania uh, late summer. And here's a question I would say is that that's an extension of this line of thinking. Is that concert, that style of concert, is that an extended reality experience? Do you think that it is? It, it absolutely is. And I'm, I'm so glad you bring that up because uh, I 100% feel that that festival and, and other music festivals like it, uh, it is like a physical materialization of like the fantasy that people want to live on some level. Um, And I would say that like what, what we're doing with that uh, and where we're going with like digital augmented reality, like the the lines of that lifestyle, that culture, uh, that scene will start to, like, become more mainstream through, like, these tools, these digital tools, in my opinion. Uh, it will become, like, more accessible, more, like, people will see more of it, and, and people will be able to, uh, we'll say, for lack of a better word, get weirder, because, like, they now can through these, uh, through these new means. Do you think of those concerts, those festivals over a weekend or X number of days, do you think of that as a gaming platform? Are people live role-playing there? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, thousand percent. Sorry, what did you say, I, Terrence? I said, oh yeah, absolutely, a thousand percent. No, I was agreeing with Alex. I, they, they absolutely are role-playing, yes, and it's, and it's lovely. It's yeah. just a renaissance fair in another form. It really it's is. Yeah, uh, one of my, so, uh, Mike, you met my friend Cole, um, you know, the first time we went to one of those together, he told me that this feels like we've been teleported to an ancient village, uh, and, you know, it, it, it feels, it kind of feels like that, right? Like, it is a little bit kind of like a renaissance fair, um, you know, you have the vendors, you have the booths, you have, you know, your basic necessities to survive for those few days, um, you know, it's very much not what typical society uh, goes through in their day-to-day life. So that uh, that break is certainly a, uh, in a sense, an opportunity to uh, fulfill the role that we might want to fill in our in our dreams. How do you win the game? There, you keep coming back. <laughs> well, just for maybe that episode, you know. Uh... Is there, oh, okay. is there a sense that, let me ask this, have you ever been defeated at one of those, at one of those festivals? Have you ever uh, had a bad experience or thought that, you know, this, this was not worth it? Is there a fail state at a music festival? Absolutely. What's that look like? Okay. Um, so for me, uh, the, the one time that I've gone to an event like that and felt that way was uh, an event that uh, was in New Orleans, and um, it was uh, over the course of two or three days. Uh, it was not in the woods, and there was no camping. Uh, it was in the city, and 
the overall, um, I'll just say the overall vibe that was there was not one that uh, I would say I found to be, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it just it just didn't feel great reason I go to these things. Uh, there was a lot of, um, not to say that there isn't some hedonistic behavior at these things, but what I felt there was like everybody here is here to just get fucked up, and that's it. There, there is no true like self-discovery happening. There's no true like shared connection that people are really seeking. Can I, can I offer a, a word here again? Um, Please. Vulnerability. Vulnerability. That that sense of you know like oh I'm I'm meeting real people for the first time here. Um, you know genuinely and truly we're sharing this this new amazing context and richness and we're present and we're here and we're now um, versus still a little bit of, of like putting on airs. Yes, uh, I would say that's an accurate that's an accurate uh, description. So so. It, it definitely, uh, it, it set me off, and, and it, it didn't make me feel like uh, it was the success that I was hoping for. Uh, if anything, I felt like, you know, this is the wrong place to be. Uh, this is not of uh, fantasy that I want to live, although it is, it was clearly the type of fantasy that others would enjoy living. Um, it was certainly, it was an interesting experience. I hope there's I hope there's a market for more of the, the you know as we're terming it here more of the like pure fantasy than more of the putting on airs fantasy. I th I think it exists. Uh, it's just you know it's it's very it's not commercialized, right? And so because it's not super commercialized, um, it's not to say that it, it won't grow and that there won't be a market for it. There clearly is, and I'm a participant within it. Um, just um. To, uh, to uh, plug something here briefly, though, guys, um, I don't know if, if I've ever, uh, if anyone ever bothered to, to uh, there's no reason you should have. Um, I'm, I am involved with the, the Tau community, um, the Bryce Wiener's little, uh, you know, cryptocurrency project, mm -hmm. and uh, even the, we're planning on doing a music festival out here on the West Coast, that, down here in Southern California, that captures everything that we're talking about. So a lot of that gamified experience, Mike, we were even trying to talk about, like, you know, how do we quite literally gamify some of this, actually make some of that subcontext text um, and and do some of that, what are, like, like that emergent behavior thing, like what are fun things that we can do to, you know, quote unquote, nudge people around, and we're still massively in the, you know, the design laying down the, the, the base principle sense, um, but exactly what you describe, Alex, is like, yeah, you know, it's not commercial, you know, it's usually just folks who, you know, have been doing it for a long time, got in through a similar scene, and go, I want to continue doing this. I want this energy to continue. I want to see this method of engagement and interaction between people be fostered. What do you take away back to regular life from these sorts of things? A non-designed uh, space, right? Back home. Not that home is not a designed space. Either. Well, I mean, for myself, I'm not. I, I some of that has has been left behind for me a little bit. Um, but mostly, I mean, honestly, it's the vulnerability in daily life. Like it's the like, I I 
I can still, like, it's, it's a practice of access, you know what I mean? It's this practice of, like, you know what, we can still, we can have this mode of engagement that is not so weighed down by all of our, the, the baggage of life. Even if we go out into the world and the baggage is so clearly there, we still do not need to, to communicate to one another and, and constantly be, uh, you know, putting that shit on each other. Um, and that's what I try to take back. That's what I try to take back out of art more generally, but very specifically out of, like, those, those kinds of, like, music festival drug experiences is absolutely that, like, no, no, this, you, 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 you can't. You cannot, you just unclench, just let go for a little while. The, the real world is just another, you know, all the world's a stage, you know what I mean? And the, the, the thing that I really try to take back is like, yes, and when you get back out there, it's still real. So you, you that, that like hard-edged balance of like, okay, yes, this is all consequential, um, but you can't take it so seriously that you stop appreciating And And yeah, that's, that's large. I, take it. I, I would say like, I 100% agree. Uh, there's very, like, that's what I aim to get out of it, and that's why I uh, bring that they can see that it's okay to, to do that themselves, you know, that they can uh, open up more than uh, maybe people think that they're allowed to. Society is a real stringent place in a lot of ways. We, we all inherit a whole bunch of assumptions from everywhere. You know, that whole hijacking thing, you know, it's a great metaphor, great framing, you know, bit of language. Um, it happens all the time. So, you know, that, that just slight bit of, okay, no, I don't have to. It's all all right. I can just be. Um, it's really important to remind people, especially in today's day and age. Do you feel hijacked here? Well, I mean, only in a good way. I mean, honestly, in a good way. Like I said, Mike, I genuinely think you do a really good job in creating a... Uh, set of semantic structures that, um, not just semantic structures, but total ones uh, as well, that, that allows for, you know, um, hijacking in a good way. Again, I, you know, the, the, if, as long as we understand that, you know, we're using the word in a, like, you know, kind of facetious way, um, I think it's a fine word. Um, it, obviously, it has implications I wouldn't apply to this context, um, you know, but yeah, so hijack, yeah, but for, for good. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say, like, finding myself uh, in uh, was not something I had ever planned for or um, specifically sought out. However, you know, being added to uh, a small group uh, chat where I see all of you guys on here, that I might say, you know, without my permission or without my express consent to be in the group, uh, there might be a form of hijacking there. However, uh, I'm definitely enjoying the conversation. I've enjoyed the the, the the uh, text going through the uh, different people in the group and um, that hijacking is definitely something that I find beneficial. What do you think it's missing? More iterative time. Mm -hmm. Sorry, what was that? Uh, more iterative time. Uh, more, more opportunity for emergent behavior. Just, it, it needs to grow. That's mm. What is Just what time? What is growth? look like for you? Um, more novel recombinations. Um, you know, more, you know, I, I would use the word information, but I mean it like to all encompass, like, you know, emotion, meaning, like, you know, all that stuff. Um, getting information from places you wouldn't be exposed to otherwise and recombining and engaging with it in novel, novel recombination. Like, that, that term I'm, I'm just very fond of, novel recombination. 
and of course, you know, yeah, you change a couple of variables here or there, and that's that's the goal. Is like, okay, you know, interacting with a, a new hijacked scene and doing a new bubble, whatever it is, you know, that that I can come away with a better understanding, with more variables, with some some change to it. Um, so, and that just comes with exposure and time. Um, so, like I say, you, you bring more people on, you get more perspectives. Everybody, you know, understands like, hey, you know, this is a, a, a thing unto itself. It, it, it has to be allowed to grow. Um, and yeah, yeah, I'm like, I genuinely think you do a really good job fostering the soil. I'd like the idea of vulnerability and what what that implies. You know, in terms of uh, connecting with a small group of people or generating a space where you are sharing your thoughts or your productivity um, and that you have no idea how people are going to respond to it. And mm-hmm. I, I try to bounce between uh, prompts that are contrived and prompts that are more spontaneous both here when we're speaking together and also inside of the, the, the group chat just to see, you know, what the outcome is. I don't necessarily um, always think too far beyond just offering up a question or an image or uh, a link to something. And I would still say consciously done or otherwise. You, you do it artfully. You do. Well, that might be. Um, I would say... Not to say there isn't room for improvement. We can all get better, yes. Right. The I, The only intention I really had from kind of starting up this uh, group was, was to get these chats going because I like, I like uh, producing this space where people can just vocally exchange together because I think that it does have a different dynamic than purely uh, text-based spaces like that. Yeah, that's why I brought up the, 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 the tonal uh, rather than just the semantic. No, it's, it's, it adds a whole other, uh, really an important, very important layer. I mean, I, I've, I've been a big podcasting guy for a long time, um, and I, you know, I'm still made fun of on the, on the regular for, you know, having a conversation in my ears pretty much constantly. Um, and I, I get the same thing out of it, which is when you just sit down a group of people to discuss topics over a long period of time, the cool things happen. <laughs> like emergent, higher level effects just kind of happen, whether just in like a jokey sense, a personal culture sense, or like, you know, people get to know each other sense, whether big cool projects come out, like, you know, that's just uh, that, that level of dialogue. You know, we can't all necessarily be sitting around uh, the table down at the pub right. um, physically. Um, but you know, we, we can get pretty close to, to replicating the experience digitally. Right. That's a, that's a thing I very much like about, uh, this platform of, of putting people together on discord to talk because it doesn't really matter where you are or when it is, um, for the duration of the broadcast, everybody is sitting at a, at a table together. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask another question. but I think it kind of slipped away because I wanted to make that comment. That happens. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, this is what I was going to say. You know, I I don't listen to podcasts, actually. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Um, I tried Wait, to... Did you listen to AM radio at all, Mike? When I was a kid, yeah. Um, and 
Uh, I've listened to talk radio uh, for a long time, you know, yeah, um, yeah. when I was a kid with my, my grandparents and then um, did NPR for a handful of years. And Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't broadcast on there. I, I just listened. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> uh, just as a consumer, I wasn't broadcasting on there. Um, and then, you know, more recently over the last couple of years, and, and I dabbled with them periodically in the past, but more recently started really diving into audiobooks. And that was partially uh, as, as a way to passively consume information without sure. it, you know, taking away from how I could spend my physical time. Uh, but then also became a way to absorb the techniques of speech and how people utilize their voice uh, because, you know, I'm in the middle of, of uh, editing and then releasing an audio book now. And um, I just wanted to see what that sounded like a lot. And that, that emerged later at first, it was just about learning and, and listening to things passively without interfering with what I'm doing physically, you know, going on a bike ride or, or whatever. It was just a really easy way to, to consume that media. Uh, and then all of a sudden when the book project kind of, um, developed itself. Yeah. It was just, uh, it was like, Oh, well I, I should probably actually be kind of studying this a little bit more so that I can see how these guys are doing it and let it influence what I'm going to do. Um, at least to a small degree. Now, in terms of podcasting, you know, I, I've done a little bit of sampling of some podcasts over the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I'm open to any recommendations that people have. But the other side of it is I'm not certain that uh, it's going to play a big factor because a lot of the content that I'm going to be releasing is already developed. It it already exists. So the idea that I can kind of in the, in the audio book, you mean They're in the book format? No, no. Actually, like um, oh, oh. actually releasing a lot of this audio content to other um, channels and chopping it up or re-editing it or even adding adding elements to it that weren't there initially. I'm not. I'm not necessarily looking forward to doing that, though I will cut it up a little bit. I don't want to alter, um, you know, what actually occurred in the past beyond, um, you know, adding adding breaks. I don't think that I want to like put some music intro at the beginning. I'm I'm apprehensive about that. How, I mean, do you do you feel that that's um at all a, uh, well, I mean, I suppose by default it kind of is, um, but or how, how much did you think of it at all, at all uh, uh, as a branding decision? Um, well, you know, I've done a bit of content over the last year or so that was video and it had music interludes or had uh, a lot of editing upon release. So that exists there. Now, in terms of like re-releasing Party Line to other channels or even re-releasing these broadcasts to other channels, I'm not really uh, apt to go back and change what it was. Different thing, different thing, yeah. You know, 
uh, I think that in terms of creating uh, a brand experience in audio format or a, a sonic kind of branding at the beginning or close, I, I just don't think that it's all that important or valuable for something that um, was obviously, um, you know, able to be appreciated without those things initially anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going to, that's kind of why I was dissembling a bit at the beginning is because um, it, the, the cold open, so to speak, um, becomes right. a brand whether you like it or not. Like, you know, it's just, that's what we do on this one. Um, is it, this is the cold open. It's, it's far more authentic. This is what this experience is about. Um, yeah, it just, that, that just becomes the defining trait unto itself. Right. That's why I was dissembling. Yeah. Yeah. I do, I do like the chats to be a cold open. Um, and that was, that's something that I've kind of wrestled with a bit over the last year or so, because I, I had thought about tossing in a musical interlude, um, to kind of start things or a musical intro or something, but then it, it just becomes, you know, why, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah no, I think, I think we get back to emergence again. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Alex. I was just going to say for the, for the specific distribution channels, uh, I find the cold open to be the most appropriate. You know, um, particularly like when people have the opportunity to just discover this content off chance, um, you know, I think it's going to be a lot more valuable if they can just jump right into it versus, you know, having some branding and some marketing going on the front. So we have another question here from Tristan and he asks, what are some ways to promote your creations in the modern day? And I would say that uh, there are lots of them, and I would recommend existing across all kinds of places. Um, Alex, you're connected with me in a couple different places, so you see uh, a pretty wide range of how I'm kind of applying the stuff that I create into those places. And uh, I do have an intention of tying a lot of this stuff together into uh, a more formal braid in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think it really depends on who you want to reach, right? Because uh, de different people, different demographics are are on different channels, and all of those channels have, we'll say, their own interfaces. Um, and so if you're really trying to, to spread a message, you know, there's more effective ways to do it on each channel. Um, so it, it really depends on you know, where your people are, uh, that's so, so dictate. Alex, like at what point would you say, cause you've, you've got the most experience in this. Um, what point does it become, um, important at all, uh, to, to start like getting professional help with some of this stuff? Like you say, there's whole, um, uh, like advertising agencies and whatnot that do, um, you know, uh, user feedback and all of this. Um, is it still, and I, I just, I, I just don't know. Um, is it still sort of accessible enough? I mean, Mike, I guess you're doing it yourself, so this answers it. But um, that a lot of this stuff is still accessible at the low level where you can maintain presence across, like, 15 platforms um, and, and not have that just be your, your full-time job. Uh, yeah, it's very difficult, I would say. And the other side of it is that um, when there was a term that kind of uh, popped up, I would say maybe a decade ago or more, uh, when they were calling this new media and it's just like this, there's nothing new about this. There's literally nothing new about this at all. It's the same old media <laughs> put into new places. It's faster media. 
maybe. Um, but now what I've found over the last maybe, um, certainly since the beginning of the decade as we've kind of come to the close of it here, mm. is that uh, all the same brands that you know have bought up all of the space. They've crowded out the ability for the small voice to be heard. And they're algorithmically deciding what small voices will get heard amongst the the purchased the bought insertions you know the uh the advertising ultimately so i don't think there's anything new yeah i think alex's point about um it depends on what audience you're trying to reach um is is very well taken because um like there like next week there was a you know comics art fest la thing here um that i'll be going to um, and yeah, there's a lot of stuff on there that you'd be hard pressed, uh, being exhibited at the show, that you'd be hard pressed, um, to find online or to even find advertised outside of a few really specific bubbles. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, it, it, you get into a re- really weird catch 22 here for the, the little guy who's like, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I can just barely do my job and, you know, come out here, you know, once a year to this comic show and then table. Um, and the thing is we've consolidated channels right over the last couple of decades um and you see this in music there's very little a and r uh there's very little sense that like you you're gonna give uh, uh talent time to develop and i think that the same thing has happened um across the board you know like what are the minor leagues of art yeah yeah a lot of that sort of like um that mid-range where you could really cut your teeth um, and, and be expected to, uh, to have some employment. Um, but, you know, I mean, that was, um, you know, I'm, I'm showing my age a little bit here, but uh, that used to be the, uh, where, where comic book artists would cut their teeth was doing advertising illustrations. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and so a lot of, like, so I know that, for instance, a bunch of, of the younger comics folks coming up now find, uh, usually end up finding work in animation. Um, and many of the really good ones uh, end up getting stolen away forever because they, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty well here. Uh, I can you know, draw to my heart's content, fun, cool, awesome things, um, be a part of a community and, uh, you know, be making money from my art. Um, and then you really cherish the few comics that they produced, um, you know, when they, were, when they were still cutting their teeth. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just hard to get out there. Just, yeah, you've you got to keep, keep a stiff upper lip. Yeah, and there was a short little window, I think, uh, in the mid two thousands when, when uh, after Napster, all of a sudden you had MySpace kind of pop up, and there was just this very short kind of golden age of indie um, community, I suppose. Um, you know, I had bands, and we were able to book tours and and release records and throw concerts and connect with other other 
bands and musicians and things like that in a really organic way that wasn't crowded out um, by, you know, acts that had a lot of money behind them or PR. Um, and, and now I just think that, like, everything has just been distilled down across a lot of these different channels. I mean, what is... So in- Oh, go ahead, Max, what is what does indie architecture look like? You know, where is that even at all? Oh, okay. So I mean, yeah. I mean, if you, it's oh, well. I mean, this is um, it, it's illegal, is what it is. Um, but you can still you can still there, there, there are people doing things with it. open source architecture is actually a thing. Sure. Um, it's just it's just entirely divorced uh, from the the uh, uh, industry from the industry of building and from the industry of architecture. Um, and, and, you know, usually isn't, um, <laughs> all that structurally sound, um, but they're, they're really great examples of it. Um, Gupta's Hexiert, um, Becky Fuller's, uh, domes, um, I would say like some of the earthship stuff that was happening is, is maybe indie yeah, architecture. Yeah, yeah. I would say some I mean, of I've got the, a whole uh, bunch of, I've got, I've got Mike, 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 you, you triggered me there because I've got a whole bunch of problems with Mike Reynolds earthship designs. Mm. Um, there's like, I can, I can talk to you endlessly about that. The base principle of his design is really, really good. This whole thing of, like, let's use um, rammed earth tires uh, is turning out to be a real, real poor uh, conclusion. There are people iterating that design with earth bags Mm -hmm. um, and rammed earth and clay that are having much, much better results Mm -hmm. um, over time because of the off-gassing. Yeah, Taos, New Mexico, the earth ships, all that that stuff is awesome. Um, I I borrowed a lot of the... um, the base design principles that again they've they've iterated on from other people in terms of uh, passive heating, passive cooling, um, flow of air through a space, use of light, um, you know, entryways, you know, um, uh, broad hallways when you actually want to to have a more meeting type space. Um, how you begin to compact all of this stuff. The tiny house movement is doing you know I I shit on that thing a lot actually because I'm like fancy trailers <laughs> um, because. Because they don't, they, they remove a lot of the, the essences of design, which is citing it to the space mm. um, and and designing it for the location as part of a, a broader understanding, um, which doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't still doing all kinds of really cool like design solutions in terms of packing this into a small space. But that's where, where indie architecture is at, is the, it, honestly, I, and I think that to, to zoom out a little bit here, um, a lot of what you described, Mike, as far as the uh, the progression of technological culture um, and and mass media or what have you, um, has meant that there's been a lot of that crowding out. And I think that most of the the broad scale, very abstracted answers are pretty similar in that we got to come back into physical meat space, or at least the best approximation of it that we can do, where the the bandwidth of communication is much greater, and therefore we can actually exchange something more real without there being filters and shit in the way. And you, you see that same thing happening, I think, at, at a, a number of levels, um, whether it's, you know, the, the folks getting together out in Taos, New Mexico to create their own little earth strip community, or just, you know, the, 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 the local indie art scene. But I think that, that the, discerning that difference between, you know, I'm theorizing, I'm out here, you know, mixing it up in, in the media space and, you know, getting that high enrichment of, of that stimulus um, versus, like, no, I can also, like, bog down 